Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Dr. Jarena Elbers. Jarena is a board-certified pediatric neurologist. As an assistant professor at Stanford University, she studied the neurological effects of chronic stress and trauma. She is currently the program director of the Trauma Recovery Project at the HeartMath Institute, developing heart-focused programs to help relieve symptoms of trauma and other stress-related conditions. Many times on the show, we've talked about how stress impacts the body. We feel it in the form of anxiety, exhaustion, digestive issues, and more. But how do you truly see what every thought and feeling is created internally? You're about to find out. My guest is Dr. Jarena Elbers, the program director of the Trauma Recovery Project at the HeartMath Institute. You're about to learn how incredible HeartMath really is as a way to get your heart and nervous system back on track after betrayal. Here we go. Okay, everybody, buckle up. This is going to be, I can already tell, it's going to be an incredible episode. I'm here with Dr. Jarena Elbers, and I kind of stalked her a little bit. Uh, she's from HeartMath, and if you don't know what HeartMath is, you soon will. And I love this company and what they offer so much that out of, you know, I get certified in a lot of things. I am certified in heart meth now as well, but I brought Dr. Jarena on just to tell us more about what heart meth is and how it can help you, especially if you've been betrayed and you're struggling, if you're the betrayer and you're struggling, we're going to go through all of it. Welcome, Jarena. Thank you so much. Really excited to be here. Absolutely. So let's start with what is heart meth? Yeah, so HeartMath has been around for about 30 years. You know, it's a small little company up in California. And uh, we were probably one of the first institutes, research institutes, to start studying the physiology of stress, the physiology of resilience in, you know, back in the 80s. And the really mapping out what's happening in the body when we are stressed, when we're anxious, when we're frustrated, and then what happens to the body when we shift into appreciation or gratitude or ease? And, you know, there's a real fundamental physiological change that happens in the body that's healthy for us, right? And, and we know that, you know, having a more positive attitude is good for us. And we know that gratitude, right? People are talking more about that. And I think HeartMath was really one of the pioneers in understanding and showing how that affects the body and not just making us feel better psychologically, but actually helps to keep our body healthy. And let's talk about that. How does the body get affected with stress? We know the, you know, externally we can, we don't feel well, we feel anxious, we can feel hypervigilant, we can feel all those things, but tell us what goes on internally. Yeah. So this was, I mean, this was a real life changer for me, having gone through medical school, having gone through a residency in pediatric neurology. And, you know, we kind of understand stress as a psychological issue, right? Overwhelm and anxiety that we feel it, right? But when I started, you know, I was also noticing exactly what you're talking about. We feel it in our body. We get sick more often. Our digestion goes off. We get constipated, we might have a tremor, right, even. So, you know, actually looking at the, the research and the physiology of it, 
it affects our hormone levels. I mean, that's the easiest one. Most people understand that we have stress hormones, and cortisol is one of those stress hormones. Um, epinephrine is a stress hormone. And those are things that get released when our system is activated. And too much cortisol is not good for us. And, you know, there's really old research on that. It's not good for our hippocampus, which is responsible for memory. It's not good for our blood vessels. We dilate and we constrict and we do all sorts of strange things with these when there's extra hormones coming around. But that isn't the only thing that happens, actually. And, and we're starting to learn that it's affecting our nervous system. So we talk about the fight or flight response right? That hyper-aroused, hyper-vigilant, right? We can also collapse. So this vagus nerve can actually kind of go into overdrive and collapse our nervous system. We can feel emotionally numb. We can dissociate. We can, you know, to get really tired and our digestion just sort of shuts down. So, you know, that kind of system, but we're also learning about inflammatory markers, so it's affecting our inflammation. It's affecting our ability to fight infections so we get sick more easily. So actually, the research is very clear yeah. that stress is affecting our body, not just our mind. And it's, it is. It, it affects everything. And short term, it's a beautiful system. I mean, it's designed to keep us safe, keep us alive, keep us out of danger. It's when that system is sort of turned on and not turned off. And I think so many of us, especially if we are healing from betrayal, that system is turned on and it's like we are literally running for our lives and it affects us on so many levels. Can you talk about how would the body be affected? Let's talk about the heart. It's such a shock to the body, the mind, and the heart. Can you talk about the shock of betrayal and what that would do to our bodies? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that the, one of the words that I use frequently is the word dysregulation. And dysregulation is, it's, I guess it's more of a, a generalizable term to describe what's happening in all of these different systems that we talked about, the nervous system, the hormonal or endocrine system, the cardiovascular system, the digestive system. And it's sort of that when we're moving between that hyper-aroused state, the anger, right, the anxiety, the frustration, right? And then with betrayal especially too, we have that, you know, we can get into collapse pretty easily. We can go into hopelessness. We can go into despair. We can go into, you know, just deep sadness and grief. And those are different physiologies. And one is that hyper-aroused system, and one is that hypo-aroused system. And so you can imagine with all of, if you just look at the emotions after betrayal, right, you go through these sort of big emotional swings where you're angry and upset and hyper-aroused and where you're feeling that grief and sorrow. And so that is exactly what's happening inside, right? We think about what's happening under the hood. The nervous system is doing those wide swings. And what's our nervous system for? It's managing all the internal organs, all the internal systems, right? Even just our digestion. So changes when we're in that hyper-aroused state versus a hyper-aroused state. So it's then sending messages to the digestive system to shut down and then to, you know, go really, you know, to digest your food and then stop digesting your food. And, you know, so you start to have like irritable bowel syndrome is this sort of alternating diarrhea versus constipation and 
that's dysregulation. So the system cannot find a homeostatic balance. It's kind of warping in and out. So when we look at the heart is doing something similar. So the heart rate, right, is not just a steady state, right? We can go into, you know, a high heart rate to respond to our environment, right? When we get up in the morning, when we're driving, when we get upset, right, that heart rate goes up really high. When we're relaxed, when we're at, at ease, right, the heart rate drops. And what we want actually is this nice curve, right? When we look at our heart rate and the variability between our heartbeats consecutively, because it doesn't just stay static. It goes, you know, up and down and up and down. And we want it to do that because that's a measure of the flexibility of our system and the flexibility of our autonomic nervous system in order to respond when we need it to. And what happens when we've sort of developed this dysregulation and we're, you know, highly anxious and we're sad and we're depressed and all of these different symptoms, it's kind of keeping our system, our heart rhythm at a within a very narrow range. And, you know, a lot of people say, like, I can't relax. It's really hard to sleep. I'll maybe fall asleep for a couple of hours, but then I'm awake again, right? And that's, again, the symptom of dysregulation in the body, that sleep gets dysregulated as well. And so we start to see that dysregulation in the heart rhythm patterns, and it looks really chaotic when we look at our heart rate variability, and we call that incoherence. Part of heart math is to bring the body back to coherence, which is more of a state of regulation. You know, I love what you're sharing because we experience these states and we feel them, but when you really take a look and say, this is, and tie it to, this is what the heart is doing in those states. Like, you know, you mentioned anger and sadness. In the post-betrayal syndrome quiz that we have on our site, we've had, I don't know, 95,000 people take it. And I think something like 88% of those 95,000 experience extreme sadness and 83%, something like that, are extremely angry. And it's so common to bounce back and forth between those two states all day long. So when you think about how extreme those emotions can be and what they're doing to the heart rate, your heart rate variability and everything, you can really see how it's contributing to that dysregulation for sure. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, there's one other piece of that, and it takes a tremendous amount of energy to do that, right? To be going from one extreme to the other extreme. And so what happens, yes, we're experiencing, you know, these high highs and low lows in our state of arousal. But on top of that, we're experiencing depletion, energetic depletion, because, you know, we have a battery and we use energy. We are energy. And we have a certain amount, and depending on how much you're putting into that battery to replenish it and how much is getting depleted, right? If you're just swinging all day and you're not putting energy back into the system, you're going to run on empty. And that depletion is also part of all of the symptoms that people experience, which are contributing to the post-betrayal syndrome. So there's no, there are no reserves because all of that energy is being used up in those extreme emotions and they're exhausted and sleep can be one of the hardest things because everything they were able to sort of manage during the day comes out in full force at night. So getting that, it's even so hard to get that deep restorative sleep that they need to replenish. So even though they may have the best 
you know, intentions. It's just sleep is one of the things that I see getting compromised immediately after betrayal. Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of the most sensitive markers. And it it drives me crazy a little bit when people talk about, you know, working with trauma and stress and like, get better sleep. And you're like, if I could get better sleep, <laughs> I wouldn't be so depleted. <laughs> one of the things that we work on is trying to regulate the system during the day, helping, giving techniques that people can use at night as well to bring regulation into the system so that you can get better sleep. And then it's this cycle, right? So then you're sleeping better, then you're better able to self-regulate and then, right? But it's a vicious cycle otherwise. It is. One of the things I love about HeartMath is it's so tangible. You can look at your numbers and see what your heart is doing. Can you talk a little bit about just even how that works and how, because it's everybody watching and listening, my transform members, that's people who work with me at the higher level, we're going to, I may just be including a heart math monitor for every new transform member. I mean, I think it is that important in seeing as we're moving through our experience, look at the proof. You'll see, you know, are you handling your stress a little bit better? How are you breathing? What's going on? Can you share what it looks like and what happens? And I will even show you after you do, I will show you today's <laughs> measurement. Very good. Excellent. Well, yeah. So I like to kind of divide up heart math, the benefits of heart math and what it can offer into sort of two camps. The first camp is the techniques, right? The intention is to do them in the moment. So you're not meant to pull out your device and, you know, in that moment when you know, you're at your limit and, you know, you're really upset or you're really angry or frustrated, whatever is happening in that moment. So those are the techniques and we'll talk about those. The technology is something really unique about heart math. I think it's one of the best things that we have to offer. And so it's a heart rate monitor that you can clip on. Some of them will clip onto your thumb. You can clip it onto your ear and, you know, it's a pulse monitor. So it's picking up your heart rate. And when you connect it to an app, when a, we have a new app and a subscription service and a new monitor. So it's very exciting time at HeartMath because we have a lot of new things that we're offering. That's the old one. I have to give you the new one, Debbie. That's what I have. Okay, I need yeah. that. And that one's great, but the new one is a subscription service. So you can actually, you don't have to have a monitor because the sensors, they're running right now at about $250 for a new sensor. But if you want to try it on your phone, you can actually pick up your pulse rate on your camera oh. on the app. So that's why you have to get the new app. Okay. So you can just put your finger, you can try it out, and it's picking up your pulse rate. And then what you're going to see is a screen that's looking at the heart rate variability, which means the variation in heartbeats over time. So it's going to go from here to here to here to here to here to here, right, over time. And when we're in, when we're doing a resonant breathing frequency, five seconds in, five seconds out, or we're in a regenerative state like appreciation or care and our system is actually in that state, it's not a mind thing, it's a body thing. Mm -hmm. What you start to see is a sine wave. So this flexible, almost like seamless shift between the heartbeats that's going up and down. It looks like rolling hills. And that is what we call coherence. And this is mine, everybody. And you can tell I had a little bit of a stress this morning. <laughs> yes. What you're seeing there is a little bit, it's a little more jagged. 
Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it depends on, you know, people's general stress levels. It depends on people's age. Some people will never get the rolling hills. But the more you can get sort of a general up and down within, you know, so you don't want a tiny little one where it's just going like this. That means your system is really rigid. You will notice that, right? You're going to have emotional rigidity, cognitive rigidity. Your system gets depleted really easily. So it's a really good reflection of what's happening on the outside. And then when you have this really high heart rate variability, your system inside and psychologically is just more adaptable and more flexible. So you can kind of roll with things a little bit more easily. And your system is able to roll with things a little bit more easily. And so that is what you want. And so what you do is you train with a breathing technique, with these emotions that we know affect our body, affecting the heart rhythm. And you're sort of working towards getting this nice, coherent heart rhythm pattern, which is then communicated through the whole body because, you know, our organs are not siloed, right? They're not just working on their own. They're communicating to our whole body. So when the heart and the nervous system are in that nice, coherent rhythm, our brain is actually also getting those, that information through this very important vagus nerve. That's connecting to the thalamus, which is in the center of the brain, and it's helping to process information. You can think more clearly. Our memory is a little bit better. We're better able to make decisions. We're more, we have more composure. So our limbic brain, the brain, our emotional brain doesn't respond, right, as quickly. So there's, you know, and then it goes downstairs too. It goes into the digestive system. And it's controlling, you know, helping our digestive system become more regulated. And so that's the goal, right, is regulation. And that's so important too. 45% of everybody who's taken that post-betrayal syndrome quiz has a digestive issue. Anything, Crohn's, IBS, diverticulitis. You know what I love about it too? That There's also, like, even when I was doing, I, I was looking at the app as I was doing it this morning. I would see myself get out of coherence and I would bring myself back. So I could tell what I was thinking about my to-do list or whatever that threw things off. And then I was like, okay, I could bring it back. And it was such a great reminder of look at the thoughts you're thinking during the day and see how it's impacting you. And it's so incredible how I could see there's and everybody, it, it'll show red. I don't know if it's different on the app you're talking about, but red, blue, and green. And I would see that all of a sudden I would start thinking about something that I had to do later on that I was looking forward to or whatever, and it would turn red. But then knowing that, I'm like, okay, just breathe and calm down, take a few deep breaths. And then I would see it go blue. Then I would see it go green again. And it, it gives you that sense of empowerment, knowing that I really have control over what my heart's doing. Yeah. Well, and I think the the really important piece for people to understand is that you're actually rewiring the system. So the more you do this, the more you practice it, the more you can bring it in to your, you know, daily practice or, you know, sitting at a stoplight, right? You're giving your system different information. And it can feel unfamiliar at first. Some people might be like, oh, this feels a little weird because they're used to being like, you know, hypervigilant or on edge all the time. And then for other people, when they feel it, they see it, 
they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I could feel this way. Mm -hmm. Right. And like literally like tears because they've been running on empty and depleted and afraid their whole entire life. And then all of a sudden, right, they can feel it. And that's the other piece that I wanted to mention is that, you know, especially for the population that, you know, that you work with, trust is paramount, right? And that's this, that's what we're sort of rebuilding. And trust requires regulation. Mm -hmm. Trust is regulation. And so if you have a dysregulated system, it's very difficult to get back to a place of trust. And so I kind of see these as like hand in hand where we can work with the body, we can work with what's happening under the hood, because you can't always tell, right? You can meditate, but then when you actually hook up to your HRV monitor, you see that the whole time you're meditating, you're actually totally incoherent and dysregulated. But you can't tell because it's unfamiliar to you, right? You just think you're meditating. So you're bringing that regulation back in the system and it's setting you up to emotionally connect with that feeling of trust again. And I think that's building, you know, that's the whole point of all of this. So important, that sense of trust and also feeling in control because, you know, sometimes, and I, I'll say it often, how we eat, how we move, maybe the only things you have control over, but I'm adding to it now, your heart rate variability. If, you know, if you're deliberately and intentionally using the monitor, doing these practices, that's something you have control over as well. What your heart will be doing and how, and how it's healing. Let's talk about some of the techniques because they are so helpful. I love the HRV. I think it's great. And for a lot of people, that is, you know, it's so life-changing for them. We cannot underestimate the power of the techniques, though. And, you know, there's a little bit of, I would say, you know, we connect to the heart, right, which is a physical space in the body. It's an organ, right? It pumps blood. But there's actually so much more to the heart, right? And when we look at literature and art and religion, right, over millennia, right, the heart is a unique organ, right? And we talk about as the seat of emotion. We talk about it as the seat of wisdom. We talk about it as sort of a, a window to the soul, right? And we use it colloquially all the time, right? You know, get into your heart or my heart is broken, right? And so that piece, you know, I don't think that's not a coincidence, right? I think that the heart from a energetic or a spiritual sense is an incredibly powerful place in the body. And so with each of the heart math techniques, the first thing we do is we connect, we place our attention, right? And the more attention we pay to something, the more it manifests. And that's just how we work, right? And so we place our attention on the heart. And even just that sometimes, right, you can place your hand over the heart. You can, sometimes I need two hands because the, depending how busy my mind is or wants to be, sometimes I really need that pressure and I need the two hands. And we just breathe in and out through the heart area. And that's heart-focused breathing. And I want to talk about the breathing piece because the breathing piece is also important. The breath is one of the 
simplest ways that we can control our nervous system, actually. When our nervous system is hyper-aroused, that hyper-vigilant state, what do we do? <laughs> right? We notice our breath is short, shallow breaths. When we're deeply relaxed, we have that deep exhale. Our parasympathetic system, that system that's there to help us relax, to fall asleep, right? That becomes activated. And we actually move in and out through the sympathetic, parasympathetic as we breathe, which is how we get a bit of that change in heart rate. Mm -hmm. And so as we're breathing, we're sort of activating the different parts of our nervous system, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And mostly what we're doing when we get into a nice, easy, resonant breathing frequency is we're really activating the vagus nerve. We're activating that parasympathetic system to come in and out and in and out. And it's kind of like waking it up, mm -hmm. right? Because when we're stressed, the first thing that happens within milliseconds is the vagus nerve drops out. Mm -hmm. And the vagus nerve is the most important nerve in the body. Now, we never learned very much about it in medical school, but it is responsible for keeping you healthy. Everything in your body to keep you healthy is because of your vagus nerve. So when we're stressed, the first thing that happens, that thing shuts down. Well, no wonder we're all getting sick. So the breathing helps to re-engage that vagus nerve. So it comes online again. And so that piece of it is really important. Now, a lot of people talk about square breathing or diaphragmatic breathing. How you breathe is important. I would say that sometimes deep breathing or the diaphragmatic breathing, especially if it's unfamiliar and your nervous system is really hyper-aroused, it's been there for a long time, it's really hard. <laughs> and people can get really frustrated and they can get really you know, discouraged and this doesn't work and I can't do this, right? Which isn't helpful. <laughs> and so the important piece about the breathing with heart-focused breathing is the focus of attention in the heart. And we wanna get to a breathing rate that's comfortable for us, that's a little slower and deeper than usual. And so we just notice, how am I breathing? We don't want people to breathe so that they're dizzy. We don't mm -hmm. want people to breathe so that they're, <laughs> you know, right. out of breath. Because everybody is different. And everybody's breathing rate and what's familiar to them and where they can get to even day-to-day -day is going to be different. And so it, we really want to find the rate that's comfortable for you. I, I love that. And I love that we do this at our own pace in our own way. But what's even more important is it's the combination of the breathing with focusing in on the heart and even putting your hands on your heart because that's the area that gets blasted with betrayal. That's the area that gets shattered in a million pieces. And it's also where so many people who've been betrayed, me included, I never had heart physical heart pain except when I was experiencing my betrayal. And, you know, everybody who's heard my story, I actually went to the emergency room thinking I was having a heart attack at some point and it was a panic attack. And it was the intensity of that heart physical heart pain. Can you talk a little bit about why the heart is feeling that during those times? I wish I knew. So I can't say for sure, Debbie. We don't have very good research on why that kind of thing happens. I have an idea. Really, these kinds of things are energy. 
right? And energy comes in different frequencies, right? When you look at light, for example, and when you divide it up into the different colors, they have, so red has a different frequency than green and purple, right? That's how we get colors. So our energy is all like that. It's running at different frequencies. And so when things come in at a mental frequency, right, a thought, it's going to run at a different frequency. So let's say it's kind of like red, right? And then when we get emotions, it's running at a higher frequency, right? Then, then that's blue. I'm just pulling these out, but it's just to think about it. When it starts, that frequency increases and it gets denser, it gets deposited into the body, right? And so that's when we can start to have these sensations, right? A pain or a tightening or something physical, just it feels off, right? We can get, right, when especially suppressed emotion, it increases in density. So you imagine light, right? It goes into a plant and that plant then dies, right? Or a tree and that carbon, right, which is just light, it's a physical form of light. It gets, right, then pushed underground, right? Over time, more and more and more pressure on the carbon gets, right, it becomes denser. And so then, then what happens, right? It's like coal, <laughs> right? So it increases in density the more that it's pushed down. And so I kind of imagine emotions to be like that. Initially, it's, you know, a light, a form of light. And then it gets so dense because it's not released and it creates a density a physical manifestation inside the body that then gets suppressed even more and it creates a physical problem. And this is why I think when we start to do trauma processing, right, we start to notice things moving. We can notice that pain is now, oh, it's in my shoulder, but now it's here. You know, it's in my throat. And now I feel it, it right? And then start to cry or you might start to have a memory. So then you literally see the energy go from a physical form into the emotional form, the mental form, and be released. Mm. And that is the process of trauma release and releasing that energy. So that's a long answer to your question, but I don't really know. That's just what I That do. explanation works for me. What do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? I'd like to do a technique. Can we do a technique? Or let's do it. Yeah. All right. Just because when you experience it, I think that's the real magic, right? And so if we can invite our listeners to just take a moment to connect into the heart, just in noticing how that feels for you, right? Placing your kind hand over your heart, just a little note there that sometimes that feels like too much and it hurts. And so we don't want to do something that hurts. So we want to have, bring some compassion and some kindness to that area, especially when we've been hurt. And if it's too much for you, then, you know, don't do it, right? And it's something that you can work your way up to. But just noticing that pain is there is part of this process and will we'll help you move through it. So we bring our attention to the heart and we just notice our breath moving in and out through the heart or chest area, breathing a little slower and deeper than usual. And as you're breathing, noticing on the out-breath, you might notice your shoulder is dropping a little bit. You might notice 
Your stomach is a little less tense. So the noticing is a really important part of this because that's reinforcing the change in the from the you know familiar state into its new state of coherence. And then as you're doing that, another layer on top of that is to make a sincere attempt to experience a regenerative emotion. So this can be appreciation for something or someone in your life. This can be gratitude. It can be care. It can be compassion. And we're just bringing in that layer of emotional frequency, which shifts how we feel inside, but is also shifting our thinking and our feeling, but is also shifting our physiology. And so as we're breathing, we bring in a layer of that appreciation, care, and trying to experience that inside the body. I like to think about a place that's sometimes helpful or a pet. So we try to stay away from people because people can be complicated. <laughs> and so, you know, I like to have my top three at the ready when I want to. And this is a really helpful technique to get coherent before an important conversation, say with, you know, somebody that you're having a conflict with or you know, you're just trying to get to a different place. And I think that's the important part here is that you don't have to feel the way that you do, right? That there is an alternative. And when we choose that, and I'm all about getting all lots of emotions and feeling sad and, you know, moving that energy through, that's really important. But when you're ready to feel better, when you're ready to feel differently, these are great techniques that you can use anytime, and they're super portable. I just love that. I'm sure everybody watching and listening is feeling a little bit better. And Jarena, I want to just thank you so much for the gift you've given me with the information uh, about HeartMath so that I can use it with my community. And you are just shedding such light on such a beautiful, important topic. So where do we go to learn more about you and the great work you do? Of course, we'll have everything in the show notes, but where else can we go? Yeah, well, so HeartMath, we have heartmath.org is our nonprofit. Heartmath.com is our consumer facing. So you can go to either. We have, like I said, we have a brand new app. We have a brand new sensor. So lots of exciting stuff. And then... You know, I'm not really on social media, actually, so people can email me. Okay, perfect. We'll have all of that in the show notes. Jarena, I just really want to thank you so much. This community, their heart's been so hurt, and they can heal from all of it. And this is another incredible way to do just that, to help them while they're on their healing journey. So I want to thank you so much for all you shared with us today. Thank you. It was really fun to chat with you. You really can rewire the nervous system. And to see just how you're doing with that, the HeartMath technology can be so helpful. Stay in touch with Jarena by going to heartmath.com. And we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Trust, which is shattered after betrayal, requires regulation of our nervous system. So while we're doing all of this work to regain trust, it starts with the breath. Through techniques like heart-focused breathing, we're paying attention to our delicate and precious heart that's been impacted so much by our pain. 
And that one breathing technique alone is like giving your heart a hug while helping you regulate your nervous system. The technology takes it a step further and it's powerful to see how shifts in thoughts directly impact those waves on the screen. It's definitely something I'm committed to doing and bringing into the PVT Institute. And I hope at the very least, you commit to two minutes or so of heart-focused breathing as a way to heal that precious heart of yours. Can we help? Let us help you. Move through the five stages from betrayal to breakthrough by joining us at thepbtinstitute.com. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.